0: On this episode of Women of AV, we talk with audio engineer and AV integrator, Samantha Potter. All that and more next on Women of AV.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This This is Is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: Sam O'Brien with AV Nation, uh, sort of, kind of launching a new podcast-ish. Stay with me for a second here. Uh, in March, we did uh, some fantastic interviews with incredible uh, women in the AV industry. Um, had incredible response, and I, I, we keep getting you know, folks that are like, "Hey, did you, you know, you, are we are we still doing these?" Yes, actually. So, first episode of this Women of AV that I'm I'm doing. I'm plowed very pleased uh, and proud I try to say that at the same time don't do that kids um, Samantha Potter welcome ma'am.
1: Thank you I'm happy to be here I feel very honored
0: uh, so so tell folks uh, really quickly and kind of the first overarching question how did you get into this industry what was the, what was the steps that got you here
1: Yeah it was it was weird <laughs> um, so I grew up a musician and got really into computers and technology. In my teens back when the internet was still much more the wild west and the computer program that i was going to go into into high school ended up being cut and so i finished my focus in in music and theory and then once i graduated i started doing like audio work around the city um did some uh college got a couple of associates degrees and started doing freelancing, audio engineering, as well as AV stuff around town. Uh, the really big official change over, you know, when I consider I, when I professionally started, um, was in 2013 when, uh, I started working completely randomly at a very large church, but more specifically for a seminary or a graduate school for Jesus. For those of you that don't know, um, that was leasing out part of the campus. And so uh, this person that was hiring and myself had had a professor in common and he needed some assistance. And there I was. And I ended up being there for seven years. (laughs) And it grew from, uh, this was the interesting thing about this already kind of weird scenario with the seminary and the church is that that was only one of the campuses. They had a sister campus and I'm in Kansas city. The other one is in Oklahoma city and uh, they had uh, classes that were happening synchronous together um, with faculty and students on both sides. So my job was helping support these classrooms with, um, at a time, a far clunkier video conferencing technology and making sure everybody was taken care of and kind of like it was produced well in every single class. And it, that's really how it got started. You know, eventually I ended up um, being in charge and managing the entire kind of system. And just before I had left, we had Migrated everything over to the Zoom platform um, about a year and a half before the pandemic hit. So they were, they were ready. They could not have been more ready to not meet in person. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's kind of how I got my start.
0: How satisfying is that? Because because you have a similar story to a couple of other uh, colleagues of mine who did something similar, right? Where where suddenly you look like a genius. Not that you're not, but but that suddenly you're you're almost prescient at that point, mm-hmm. right? How, how good did that feel in, in, in talking with those folks even after you've left, you know, to, to see that, that they were set up, you know rather well?
1: I, I mean, it feels great because uh, fun, one, it was really fun just building it, and I knew what was going to be on the other side of it. Like yeah. if we can get through this bill and we can get through this gigantic learning curve, I promise it will be so much better on the other side. Um, and so being with them kind of in the trenches, teaching them all this stuff and getting them prepared for it was very satisfying. It felt really good. And so by the time, you know, cause we'd even kind of had, uh, if there was snow days, they would meet online anyway. So instead of it being uh, two synchronous connected classrooms and a couple of distance learners, it was like, everybody's a distance learner, but it felt excellent to just kind of be like, I don't have to worry about this at all. Like it, it, if anything, when we kind of uh, started the the quarantine process and they had in the middle of the semester, of course, it was like my tech support almost like dropped off like a huge amount because suddenly I didn't have any physical hardware to take care of. They were already, none of this was new. They were like, oh yeah, Zoom, we've been using this for 18 months. This is a breeze. So the only, the only hard part was um, getting chapel, their chapel services completely online. Mm-hmm. That was something else. So yeah.
0: Um, I, I want to come back to that for a second, but I, I, would, I do want to hit on something that you said earlier when, when you were talking about your, your early days in school. Um, how did the, the, the cancellation of some of those programs impact you? Um, the reason I, I want to ask that is because there are several school districts throughout the country that that is one of the first programs they will look to cut when yeah. it comes to budgets. And not for nothing, but a lot of, of school districts Um, private and public, both uh, have had a number of expenses uh, over the last year that they weren't planning on. And so I'm, I'm conscious uh, having two young kids, myself, uh, young, they're middle school and high school, but conscious of, of the fact that I want to make sure that folks understand, you know, the, the importance of some of these programs and I'm not saying anything against the, any other ones, but, but arts in general do tend to be the first ones on the block, but also some of have some of the biggest impacts when they are cut.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, the, all that we can do is like try to get more funding for them. And I, I feel lucky because they had cut other programs, but, but left our music programs intact. But like you could feel some of the tension. Um, you know, I wish they had had the computer program. Uh, it was like a systems networking, like two year program. It would have been really fun um, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> um especially like in high school and grad like it would have just launched me into probably like um a very close <laughs> uh, career but not exactly this um but yeah, it's it's disheartening, but it means that it's all the more important to, to go out and support them in any way that I can, whether it's like helping or teaching, like mentoring kids or even just kind of being there. Like I'll go and speak at junior highs sometimes or middle schools and just say, hey, this is what I do. Like this is an option. I volunteer here in the city um, for different... I've talked to like a first grade class a few months ago of just like... Uh, here's what is a possibility. Like you could do this if you wanted to do music or you could do this and, and just kind of exposing them to it makes them know, Hey, I want to do this. And then the parents start pushing it. It has to be a group effort. So.
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, talk for a second about, about you, you mentioned getting chapel online. Um, a yeah. number of folks uh, in the AV industry still volunteer, uh, at their local church, the local synagogue, um, the mosque, talk of, about overcoming, getting that chapel online during COVID and and some of the things that you learned, but also the the volunteers there and the staff learned?
1: Yeah, so this was super wild. Um, So this was even a step further than a normal like chapel service that you then transition um, online, which I have done so much of in the last year, which is probably more to the point of your question, um, which I can get to in a moment. But for this uh, seminary... Uh, at one point we were in an actual chapel and then we wanted it to be a little bit more intimate. So we moved into a classroom that had tons of uh, integration in it. And I was actually using zoom to, um, project slides and I was producing it on one computer and controlling that screen while I was someplace else. And so then when we moved uh, online, it was 100% zoom. It wasn't, um, uh, it wasn't an in-person service of any kind that we happen to be showing on zoom or happen to be streaming. It was like the, per- the you know, the liturgist is in Eastern Missouri and the musician is actually in Florida. And we were just all over the place making a zoom service happen, which is like, and I was, pr- and I was producing and doing all the videos and cues and like graphics and stuff from my place and trying to, you know, ke- uh, keep track of the latency and like <laughs> being on top of it. So that was an interesting transition. We totally got it. And they have since really developed it. And the musician does, uh, I forgot what software she has, but it basically splits her cam in half and she's got her own graphics on one side and then herself singing and performing on the other. So to Zoom, it's just a single feed. So it's glorious. So that's great. But then on the grander picture of just moving churches to services online period the biggest things have just been like mixed translation. And I think people are really forgiving of video kind of being weird. Uh, If they can see who's talking, that's most, it's pretty satisfying to the brain. But if the audio like gets really wonky, people can't understand and they get disconnected, you know, it's all those things. And so the biggest thing has been trying to help people understand whatever you're hearing in this room right now, like is a lie. (laughs) It's not, it's not what anybody else is hearing. And we have to be really make conscious efforts to, um, basically either have a completely separate person mixing this or devoting a very good portion of time to sitting there and mixing it. You know, it's not uncommon where one person is mixing both in person and the stream. Uh, but just again, being very conscious of it and saying, yeah, this is way too dry or, oh my goodness, why is there so much drums <laughs> or there's not enough vocals and things like that.
0: Yeah, and that, and it's funny that you mentioned the drums because in in most churches there are, there was always too much drums. Not for me personally, <laughs> just saying. But you know yeah, that you... is a common. Um, one one thing I, I want to touch on, Samantha, and, and that is you know the the common one of the common questions that I, I've asked, um, nearly every woman that that we've interviewed here is is, is talking about the challenges that you've faced, and not necessarily. You know that you have faced because you know going into from from computers but but as a woman in an industry that is predominantly dominated by men what are some of those challenges that, that you have faced over the years to get to where you are
1: yeah so uh, it, of the like sex-based challenges i have faced it's always been like um, a, a man assuming something about me they just like see me and they just draw a conclusion. Uh, you know, I've been asked if I was, which one of the um, musicians was my dad, or if I was a groupie, or that like, I've been the A1 for a, for huge corporate shows. And the people who are just like running cable for me, like to start ma- start making their own decisions on how to do stuff. And I'm trying to tell them like, no, that's not how I designed it. We're not doing it this way. And they're just like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, obviously it's not you in charge or da 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 da. It's always like stuff like that, um, which is oh, I kind of you go into it um, kind of expecting it at some point, so you're never like totally shocked. Like, oh, good, another one. But it's always like it always kind of makes you go hmm, like bummer, like that was a disappointment sort of scenario. Um, and those have to do like specifically. I guess you can never know a hundred percent. If it's because I'm a woman, I'm sure the groupie thing we can probably say with a hundred percent, that's why they said it. Um, but it's also for me, I I get a lot of age-based things and I'm not going to be young forever, but uh, I am under 30 and that means something to certain people. Uh, and so assumptions get made. So
0: do you think 30 is that magical mark?
1: I don't know. I don't luckily currently (laughs) feel like I look particularly old and so uh part of me is like wants to hit you know mid-30s or at least look like I'm in my mid-30s so there's not that um but uh, yeah I I don't know I could turn 34 and still again here's hoping that I don't look 34 (laughs) and I may still be dealing with it so it's it's a catch-22 of sorts
0: it is it is as somebody who's pushing 50 I i would love to, to look 34. Um, yeah. you look great. real quickly. I, I want to, first of all, I, I, one of the things that, that I want to uh, clarify, cause I don't know exactly. I think I do, uh, define for me what an A1 is. Uh,
1: yeah. So A1 is just the head audio person on a particular gig or project. Um, yeah. for corporate shows, it's like the person who, um, is usually running the console is kind of just, just the head audio person in charge is kind of the best way. If there, if there are less staff or less crew, it would not be uncommon for the a one to also design the system. Um, and then they may have an a two, which may help support like batteries and running mics and checking things, doing patching, stuff like that.
0: Okay. Very good. Uh, talk for a second about, about overcoming some of these, these hurdles, whether that is the age or, or it, it is the, the, the gender when you When you do decide to either you know, oh, this is the, the same the same, or you have to confront somebody who's running cable incorrectly, how do you overcome those challenges or or, or why do you choose in that moment to overcome those?
1: Mm-hmm. well, i choose I choose to overcome it because I will be darned if I let a single individual um, or a small minority of people uh, keep me from achieving my goals. I'll be darned. Um, That's why. And I, you know, I want other women to feel like they are, they can see some version of themselves in me. Like I I want younger women to be like, oh yeah, this is totally a possibility for the kind of the same reason I speak with kids and uh, I work with them and try to have mentees is because I don't, you know, you don't know what you can be unless you see it uh, when you're a kid. And I just kind of want to I want to be part of that and one idiot or one ignorant person isn't going to keep me from living my life. So that's why. Uh, How depends on the situation. So if I have like, it's always about being respectful to the other person, even if they're not being respectful to me. Uh, And so sometimes it's just having, you know, putting on my stern face, I guess, and just saying, listen, I designed this It needs to go this way because of reasons a b and c so if you could help me achieve that that would be great and if you don't want to do it that way i'm happy to find somebody else who's willing to help me with it that kind of thing uh when it's like the really dumb questions like which one is your dad or whatever it's sort of just like (laughs) you kind of have to meet them where they're at (laughs) and just say yeah none of them i'm i'm you know the front of house person or i'm the uh, producer or I'm the whatever. Like, you just have to be very frank because they're being very frank.
0: Makes sense. Talk for a second about representation because something you said there um, really has kind of impacted me personally as well as professionally in the last year. You can't imagine yourself being something unless you see somebody that looks like you or, or sounds hmm. like you or acts like you. Yeah. Talk for a second about the importance of representation, not just, you know, on the stage or in media, that's important as well, but also in everyday, you know, everyday lives uh, of you know working and, and being an A one or, or whatever. You know, talk about that for a second.
1: Yeah, it's it is incredibly important, as we've both said, and it's kind of it's kind of weird um, in everyday life. It's kind of just like um, being being out there, and not, and just like you said, not necessarily. In the media and on social media, which again, as you mentioned, is very important but sort of a different branch. Um, being out there and speaking with people or not being afraid to say, Yeah, uh, I do this, like, and talking about work in a way <clears throat> that doesn't sound instantly depressing when, when you mention it. I think we've all met people who like clearly hate their jobs, and yes. we can all see that <laughs> to not give out that energy and to really just. Um, so yeah, I, I get to do these kinds of projects and I get to do this and that, um, and trying to be a good representative of the industry, like, uh, and telling my story. I mean, this, that conversation you and I are having is also part of it. It's just telling a story and, and coming into contact with as much people as possible. And that includes volunteering, um, at churches or with nonprofit organizations like, uh, Big Brother, Big Sister and stuff like that. That
0: makes sense. That makes sense. Um, as we kind of wrap up here, what is something that you would like to see change in the industry before you retire?
1: I would love to see more intersectionalism. Uh, sometimes it can feel a little homogenous and for the most part, I've kind of lived in that for so long that it doesn't, I'm, I'm in it. And so it, it's fine. And, uh, I'm also white. So I get that privilege of just like blending in for the most part when I want. Um, but the intersectionalism is what I, I really hope to see, where it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel so strained. It's not so weird <laughs> for me to be in a room of only women because that is so weird. The Avixa breakfast um, at Infocom feels weird to me because I'm not used to being around so many women. I don't want to feel that way anymore. I want to go to a job site or help with an integration or uh, help with a production and just. I feel like I can see pieces of me in other people and just the same for them.
0: Just for the record, that breakfast has become one of my favorite things to go to. Yeah. Uh, it's great. In general. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, great. I have met some, some fantastic women there. Um, as we wrap up, Samantha, how, how do we get there? Right. How do we increase that, that intersectionalism uh, in, in the industry?
1: Yeah. Um, by being intentional um, having very frank conversations, uh, being transparent, um, and doing good work as, as fair or unfair as it is if I or other women in the industry are carrying the idea of women in the industry because it's just a smaller minority, fair or unfair. I want to try to be a a, a good influence and a good projection of that and the same for, um, Audio engineer specifically, that's also a small number of women in there. And again, uh, just to really reiterate is being intentional and having those tough conversations and being really transparent and trying our best to, to act, genuinely make a difference. Being complacent is so easy. And sometimes we need to do that, but we can't. We can't be complacent.
0: Very good, Samantha Potter. Thank you so much. Yeah. Somebody wants, wants to connect with you. How do they do that?
1: Gosh, uh, they can find me on social media. If I'm on there, my handle is Potter audio. Uh, but you can also check out my writings, uh, on pro Sun web. You can check out the mini master classes I've been doing uh, with my team at Allen and Heath USA. Uh, and I've got a podcast of my own church sound podcast.
0: Very good. And how do people find church sound podcast?
1: It is available wherever you listen, wherever you're listening to this, your favorite podcast place.
0: There we go. All right, Samantha Potter. Thank you so much uh, for us, for Aviation Nation, Go by our website, TV. That's TV. I mentioned the fact that uh, Samantha is the first episode-ish of this new podcast, but I'm going to say we did about 25 uh, of these. And so Mitchell, uh, my fantastic producer, will be rolling these out over, over the next month or so. So you can check out that uh, as well. All that and more at TV. That's aviation.tv.